0: Take me home tonight. I wanna end by a pale moonlight that was not in the show. In a story about small-town America, particularly our corner shops, being overtaken by new malls, globalized corporations. Is it possible that in Stranger Things 3, the real monster is Reagan-era economics and bald-faced capitalism and consumerism? No! In fact, the monsters are the monsters! And welcome to this supplemental reading of Stranger Things 3... zero credits my name is john and my name is <laughs> welcome <laughs> to the 80s why So for anyone who isn't aware, a supplemental reading is when we get together on this podcast to discuss something that we consider to be culturally important in its entirety, meaning that we have watched it from beginning to end, and most importantly, spoilers are on limits. That's an
1: expression no one has said. Spoilers are free game. We're going to shoot them all up. Every spoiler you see will be shot. hoo it's hog season. (laughs) What I mean by that is... We hope that you have watched the entire season, because we're going to discuss it in its entirety. Spoilers are abound. Yes, if you're one of
0: the two people on Earth who has not watched all of Stranger Things 3 already, go do that, and then come back. But... So them just downloading the episode counts for like a like a listen, right? They don't need it's
1: not like a YouTube thing where they actually need to like listen to the whole thing. Actually, until the end of this month, we can see partial listens. Ooh, but after the end of this month, we would get that information for a small fee, which means we will never get that information again. Great, So it does not matter. Just go watch it, then come back to us. Yes. Stranger things 3, or as I like to call it, Stranger things. Threeings? Thrings. Thrings. Threeings. T H R E E I N G S.
0: Thrings. T H R I E I I E I N G A -a 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 N S. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Did you just say
1: anus? No, I said A -a 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 N S. That's not what I heard. Alright, you lead us, leader. Okay, Uh, so
0: one thing that I thought would be particularly important in talking about Stranger Things 3, uh, as we kind of disclose on pretty much every supplementary at this point, especially about a TV show, uh, recapping the plot is pointless. Yeah, you've seen it, so we don't need to tell you what happened, you know. But a timeline that I feel like is more, uh, like, long-term, maybe more fungible than actually like the season chronology is actually talking about... Season one to season two to season three, kind of the actual story of Stranger Things as a whole, not as a recap, but kind of, uh, kind of like a look back at the the first season, particularly the the second season, and what our feelings on those things are like now as they've matured. Because I know going into Stranger Things three, I actually found myself having a very different take. On Stranger Things 2 than I thought that I did.
1: There's a weird thing. Of course, we're, we're viewing this work in its creation. We're not looking at a final product yet because if we were, our ideas about the different parts would stay the same. because But because we're watching this kind of like in motion, one part might influence what we feel about another part. Exactly.
0: I, I feel like looking back on it, and I don't know if you can uh, if you share this, but when the when Stranger Things three started, something that they did that is very smart that Netflix does for its shows that it cares a lot and pumps a lot of money into. Stranger Things is probably its biggest cash cow right now. Uh, only, they will only second to Orange
1: is the New Black.
0: They will do a full season full previous season recap that's like very long and pretty in depth and pretty fantastically edited i'd say as far as a previously on goes it's kind of in a league of its own and i i was immediately struck by the innate power that stranger things has when i started watching stranger things 3 and i felt like tears welling up in my eyes as i was watching the recap just because i not because I was remembering the events of season two, but because it was reintroducing me slowly and perfectly to all of these characters that regardless of the quality of individual episodes or maybe even seasons that I've grown to like deeply love as yeah. characters throughout time. And it it really
1: struck me as like maybe season two... Wasn't as bad as I remember. That recap was like a concentrated dose of season two, you know? You, you didn't have all the, the problems and structure that we had originally with it. Because it was edited to be a quick highlight reel that completely cuts out an entire episode. Yes, it it completely
0: there. cuts out the most questionable episode of Stranger Things 2's entire run. Uh, the uh, 11 goes to punk land.
1: Yeah. And that was something I noticed immediately while watching it. Like, it ended, I kind of turned to my wife. I was like, huh, they cut out the bad episode. Yeah. And it's like, hey, they made a decision. I don't think we're going to see those characters again. I mean, that I feel like that's totally fair.
0: Uh I thought that episode was a massive misstep, and there was not a lot about it I enjoyed.
1: So, looking back at Season 2, some of the comments we had about the structure of that season was that it started a little too slow for us and then it sort of ramped up way too quickly to get to the end game like yeah. the, the, like the you know the supernatural weirdness of it all
0: yeah there was a point in season 2 where they decided th- I mean, the the Newt, whatever the name of the little, like, baby demo dog thing was. They're called demo dogs. But what was the thing's name? The baby. The baby that Dustin had.
1: I think it was named Gorgon. Gorgon, sure. I don't remember.
0: Uh, But no, the, I think that was, like, an interesting dynamic, but it seemed like all of a sudden that show went from nothing to there are tunnels under Hawkins, they are full of demo dogs, and also scientists are opening the portal again. It went from zero to a hundred very, very quickly.
1: And and there was a weird thing in the telling and that none of that, we didn't see any of of that, the tunnels or like the scientists. It's just like, oh, that stuff is just happening now. Yeah. It was kind of like they were withholding parts of the story from us to surprise us with it later, which Mm -hmm. is ultimately i think a weaker form of storytelling
0: yeah i i don't think that uh, you really win anything by doing like gotcha story reveals outside of maybe a really well done twist which to be fair i feel like stranger things as opposed to almost every other like peak television show resists the urge to twist which is very refreshing and i i very much respect
1: yeah i as someone who is watching through Season 3 of Black Mirror right now, which I, I want to say is arguably the weakest season of it that I've seen so far.
0: What? You don't mean? You, you get
1: points. Every episode. You get points and the people are nice to you. Every episode of Black, Black Mirror has a twist of some kind in it. Be it like a twist of like, oh, the technology is bad. Or, oh, humans are the real monsters. It doesn't matter what the twist is. And one of them, the twist is just, oh, the guy you were rooting for, he's a pedophile. That's the twist. Every episode has a twist, and depending on that twist, it's like, oh, this episode was a complete waste of time. You don't, just don't flip that coin. Leave that coin unflipped. Don't do a twist. And instead, show us the parts in motion, how the story is unfolding. Draw us in with characters and events.
0: Yeah, people react to twists because what what twists do is they lay the entire story on the line. It's a big bet. Twists are going all in. And I feel like Stranger Things plays it close to the vest. It understands, like, the story is the most important thing, so it doesn't play with that. Uh, Or or it doesn't wager all all of its story. However, I feel like going into Stranger Things 3, uh, there was a massive twist. And it happened moments, nay seconds, into the first episode. After those sweet, sweet Stephen King-inspired credits rolled, I was blown away by the twist that these children aged. <laughs> these children got old. Yeah, They're yeah.
1: teens now. They're definitely teenagers now. And They're not babies in Ghostbusters costumes. What I really like about Stranger Things as a whole is that it's a real romance to use my literary prowess, but it's a real coming-of-age story. We started Stranger Things, and these were kids in the basement playing Dungeons and & Dragons. And now it's like, these are tiny adults with really complicated feelings and problems that we kind of can relate to because we're kind of like larger adults With the same stupid problems. Yeah, I
0: mean, uh, adults are just teenagers who are more confused but have greater responsibility. But, I mean, the the thing that I like about Stranger Things in Season 1 and in Season 2 and it continues to Season 3 is all of the... I mean, all of the characters go through an arc, but the children all kind of have their their own kind of of coming-of-age arc about a certain part of their personalities every season. And that's something that, much like in life, you live through that cycle again and again until you end up being old and then
1: nothing ever changes. What's really interesting within that childhood group is, like, in season one, you're like, oh... These kids will never... They're inseparable. They'll never be apart except for Will, who was in the Upside Down. Yes. Like, but like they've gone through trauma. They'll never be separated. They'll and,
0: never be separated except, like, when Will got taken over by the Mind Flayer and then wasn't really... And
1: in season two, the, the driving force of the plot is, these kids are fighting. Yeah. They're not getting along. And they're, they're, they're suffering and missing out on clues because of it. Mm-hmm. And now in season three, it's like, oh, these kids have learned to be separate they do love each like love being with each other but they don't like that's no longer like what the plot is mainly focused on cuz like some of these kids didn't see each other all season and then like there's this really touching reuniting moment in the in the the star court where they're all back together again and when you realize holy shit they've been like totally kind of handling it on their own yeah like they've grown up they're no longer like we got to be together So
0: something that this show does exceptionally well, uh, and season three maybe does this best of all, is, and this is, I, it's very difficult for me to talk about this, because I don't know, my feelings on Stranger Things as a whole are somewhat complicated, because I don't know how much of what it's saying is intentional, because if how much of what it's saying is intentional that I read into it, it's genius. So... Stranger Things three starts with Day of the Dead. Oh, it starts with the that movie. The that the they George sneak Ra- into yeah, the George Romero movie Day of the Dead, and the entire premise of Day of the Dead, other than zombies are human as well, and that you should and that monsters deserve to be humanized. But the zombie like speaks English, still has cognition. Oh, I've never seen it. Uh, it's good. Uh, all of the George Romero movies are good. Uh, but essentially, the underlying message in Day of the Dead is people not communicating is how disasters happen. It is a pro-communication movie, and the entire premise of Day of the Dead is people are like keeping secrets, and only when like people come together and are honest and communicate do things get done. And that's something that happens again and again in season three, and it it culminates perfectly in the moment that has existed in every season, which is the two stories converge. Yes. Because every season is fairly formulaic in that you have a A plot, which is a kid's plot, and a B plot, which is an adult's plot. And and they exist kind of like coterminously. And really, I guess it's three plots because you also have the
1: teen's plot. Well, here's the thing that, sh- that season three shakes up, because it usually it was just kid's plot and adult's plot well, these groups are kind of mingling now. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's more apt to say there's the monster plot and the Russian plot, mm-hmm. and there are groups that intermingle between kids and adults yeah. covering both.
0: And and the thing that I think is uh, really fascinating about season three is what... So the the teens plot used to be kind of its own separate thing, and now the teens plot and the kids plot is so intermingled Where they they exist in different places, like Will and Nancy have totally different responsibilities. They have to have a job with misogynists.
1: Also... Jonathan and Nancy. Jonathan. Will is the younger... Yes. Jonathan Jonathan and Nancy. Is is the... The photographer, remember? Yeah, yeah the, the
0: photographer. Man, remember in that first season how he just gets hated on by that bully, that mean bully Steve? I'm glad he got what was coming to him and didn't turn into the best fucking character ever. Steve is the best. Steve I, is the best. thoughts remain unchanged. Uh, no, no. This season really doubled down on everything that I loved about these characters because now Jonathan and Nancy are like in a relationship, but it's something that this show does really well in that it shows you a relationship that has texture and not everything is like super positive or happy, but people do have motivations and there's constant negotiation towards their like, ends, and no character is ever portrayed as being right. Yeah. Characters are portrayed as being correct in that their assumptions are actually what's going on, but it's never actually telling you that the characters who are correct are morally right. No one is ever, like, demonized, other than Russians and monsters <laughs>
1: and um milf hunters. But yeah, every character that you root for, every protagonist, uh, has uh has flaws. Like, even hopper turns out to be a little bit of an overbearing kind of muscle-bound parent. I don't know if that's muscle man. Did you see okay,
0: quick aside to hopper. They show him shirtless a lot and, and hopper is thick.
1: They got a there's a thick he's got a, a dad a, There's a thick hop on the loose. What what I mean is like he, he's prone to yelling rather than talking out, you know. He, yeah. he, he's not abusive, but he's, he's stubborn and headstrong.
0: Yeah. I feel like we could almost do an entire episode, not just about the character of Hopper, but how the character of Hopper is, like... He he exemplifies a certain kind of toxic masculinity of not being comfortable with his feelings. And I I almost felt like the show was doing a very bad job because after he goes through all the coaching with Winona Ryder... Joy Spires. Joy Spires, After he goes through all the coaching... ...with Joyce about how to present this to the kids... ...and eventually when that speech is revealed... ...it's actually very heartwarming and sweet yeah. and perfect... ...but when he couldn't be at home with his feelings... For a second, it looks like his way of doing that worked, and I wasn't comfortable with that. I was like, oh, this is like a classic 80s movie thing where toxic masculinity was the correct thing to do, and that's bad. But then that ends up essentially causing every bad thing that happens for the remainder of the episode.
1: Yeah, The the exciting incident is him not being able to deal with his feelings. Yeah, the, the stipulation he puts on Mike causes the rift in the group, which causes a lot of bad shit to happen. Yeah. Which is great, because, again, like, if you don't have flawed characters, you have a bunch of perfect gods walking around, and that's not interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, there's only one perfect god walking
1: around, and that's Billy. I mean, you said it. (laughs) I was thinking it. You said it. Oh, man, I feel so bad for Billy. I want to talk
0: about Billy's character, because, number one, I really didn't anticipate Billy would come back. I feel like, you know the Steve thing from the first season where they anticipated that Steve would just be like written off because he'd be a shitty bully and then everyone would hate him then he'd get his comeuppance in an 80s movie style fashion and then he's gone forever. Uh, But then they just loved the guy who played him and what he brought to the character so they just kept him around. It almost feels like Stranger Things is this massive love fest where... And this comes up in almost all the behind the scenes stuff, behind the scenes, in almost all of the behind the scenes stuff in Stranger Things, because they keep saying like, oh, we were going to kill this character in episode three, or, oh, you know, this character was going to have a limited role, but then we just liked him. It just seems like they keep falling in (laughs) love with the people that get to play these characters, so they just give them more. Yeah. I really liked Billy. In the second season, Billy was the highlight of that season, smoking and doing curls in a
1: poorly lit bedroom. Like Billy was, of course, like the the implement the the, the exemplary eighties muscle bound idiot. Yeah, and uh, of course, like the bully, the strong, and then you see like, oh, the parents are abusive. That's why he's. he's He's such a a shithead. Yeah. Which doesn't excuse his behavior, but you kind of get the rationale behind it.
0: And Billy was just a real monster, too. Like, he was a humanized monster, but I love that he was irreparably
1: bad. He was a bad dude. And then he gets taken over by a stupid fucking mind flare piece of shit thing, and you're like, oh... Because now he's no longer a humanized monster. He's just a monster. He's just a monster. But that moment where L goes into his mind, his memory, whatever she does. She goes into his past and sees, like, basically where the source of the mind flare is. And you see all of these horrible fucking moments in his life. You're like, oh shit. They're humanizing this (laughs) stupid, mindless monster again. And now I care for him again. Billy is... So good. Billy is such a great character
0: because, no, this show is just perfectly good at manipulating emotions out of you. Because no matter how, Billy is so bad in this season because there's some great Billy moments where he's being Billy, uh, but he's also being a literal monster. Yeah. Oh, Maybe my fav one of my favorite scenes in the entire season is when he's like having dinner at Heather's parents house and he's just being like a peak polo wearing gum chewing like very coy you know he's up to no yeah. good and the second they leave they just murk her parents oh it's so good that oh it's so good really <laughs> so good and now he's gone
1: there's a really great detail when they go back looking for Billy and Heather that, like, the tray of cookies and the dinner still just sitting there because, like, the, the Mind flare has no time for, for cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, Billy's gone forever and I, I'm glad they gave him a last moment of hero heroism. But they continued a trend that I deeply need to talk about with you, John. Is it the trend of... Killing Billy? Every season of Stranger Things, a character whose name starts with the letter B dies. Really? Barb. Oh no, Bob. Bob. And now Billy. Oh no. I am very afraid for Will. <laughs> Hold on. As Will the first line of season four. I'm going by Bill. Now. Oh, no. No. I really I'm real I'm really worried for Hopper. Yeah. Because if I mean his name is actually Bopper this entire
0: time. <laughs> He's like, well we call him Jim, but that's he doesn't like his first name, which is Balthazarus. <laughs>
1: He doesn't like his first name, which is Bean, Jim Hopper. <laughs> it's actually Boromir, interestingly enough. Yeah, so every season of Stranger Things, a character whose name starts with B dies. That's too sad. Dies, too, and it keeps going. Specifically, an upside-down monster. Yeah, Barb got it. Barb got it. Yeah, by the Demi-Gorgon. And then Bob got it. Bob got it by the Demi-Dogs. Oh, they all get
0: killed by the new monster, too! And Billy gets
1: offed by the... mind flare. The meat flare <laughs> the, the goop manifestation. The carbon, weird, chemical-based, physical body of the mind-flavor. Fla- the mind-flavor. How did you feel about that, by the way? If we're talking about
0: Stranger Things being like a weird 80s mood board, yeah. which... There's so much we could talk about for, like, the visual pastiche that Stranger Things puts on uh, for good and ill. Uh, but I I think that the, at least for me, the choice to make the antagonist of this season, in addition to the literal Terminator, uh, to be just an invasion of the body snatchers thing, yeah. I really liked that because it wasn't something that I anticipated at all. It doesn't really seem within the scope of the Mind Flayer's established abilities. And also, I didn't totally understand the motivation for that character, nor do I, at this point, understand the motivation for the Mind Flayer. Yeah.
1: But I liked that it was the residents. Here are my thoughts on the entire actions of the Mind Flayer this season. It was kind of a perfect masterclass on how to build tension by having those... So season two, it was like character, 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 boom, supernatural. Yeah. Season three, I think, was better structured in that from the first episode, you're getting supernatural interspersed with character. But it always ends on that supernatural thing yeah. to kind of bait the hook into the next season. And I think with the slow building, with the, the rats eating the chemicals and exploding into carbon goop that would then is being assimilated into a meat flare, I like all of that there does become, like, a weird thing with its motivation where the writers definitely think they explained it mm-hmm. with the whole scene, like, we're doing this for you, all of this is for you, which I interpreted as, oh, they want her to rule them or something. They want her to be their queen, but the yeah. show interpreted as, oh, no, they want her dead.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like this show's too smart to, to beef the motivations because the every we talked about how good every character's motivations are but in an opportunity for the mind flare to literally speak it never said anything that made me feel any kind of connection to what it was doing because i feel like and this is something that has come up pretty much time and time again like sci-fi but if you have like an extra dimensional monster that gains the ability to speak to speech to speak uh, that is a great opportunity just to throw some, like, base-level philosophy onto it. Play around with nihilism. Yeah. Like, play around with, like, any kind of ideology for it to have. Just a little bit. Because my, my assumption, based on everything that it's doing, is it's just, like, trying to build some kind of empire. And I... I don't know. My assumption was that it didn't want to kill Eleven, but its actions seemed to speak otherwise. And then the show pretty much literally said that they want to kill
1: Eleven because she's the only one that can stop it. I don't know. The, from what I, has been presented to us, like if we're going to close read this text, the monster says something along the lines of like, you let us into this world. And they come from... We've seen the Upside Down. It's a dark, dank world covered in goopy things, and that's all there is. It's also full of structures that exist in the right side up. That's... You're not... Yeah, that's, that's very true. My
0: assumption about the Upside Down, or or at least it has been this, like, so far, is that the Upside Down isn't, like, a parallel universe. It's just a incredibly, unimaginably distant future.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I see. See, that, that, that's a different. That's that's interesting. Because what I thought was like they're from this dark world, and then L breaks the door open to let them into a world of color and light. Yeah, it, it, it's and they don't. They don't. They never knew these colors existed, and now they they covet them. They mm-hmm. covet this world full of life because it. If the Mind Flayer's abilities, as demonstrated in season three, are any kind of indication. Life can give them power.
0: Yeah, it it there's a very symbiotic relationship between like living beings and whatever lives in the upside down because like they eat people. They don't kill people. They eat them. They they are like they're they're consuming things on this side, so they do get something out of it. I don't know. I just feel like three seasons in, we'd want to know a little bit more about the motivations of our like. A
1: prime antagonist, but it... especially because now we know that it's the prime antagonist. Like yeah. in season two, it's like, oh, that's just the next monster for this season, and it seems like it, it's really intelligent, and they didn't beat it, and it, it's going to come back. In Season three, I thought an interlude. You know, you get you give a space, and then in season four it comes back. It's like, no, we're going right back to the mind flare. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so now we're going to understand it, and by the end, it's like, well, I didn't. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to
0: to discuss, and I don't know where we'd find room to do it in the podcast, other than a pretty uh, significant gear shift. Uh, How do you feel about those
1: Russians? The Russians... Oh, those Russians. The Russians are interesting. Because I don't know if you can make a a, a television show that spans the entirety of the 80s and not bring the Russians into it. it. Like, they're even the Mighty Ducks, aren't they? They are in the Mighty Ducks. It felt strange to me, the Russians, a little
0: bit, because yes, the Russians in the 80s were like the perceived antagonist of the United States, and they were all over the place as far as media goes for like being just a general cultural antagonist. But I felt. It just felt kind of strange because even now, and it might just be because we have so many people like crying about like Russian bots or whatever, and all this like. Oh, yeah. I don't know, it it felt not of the time that we live in that that's the choice that they would make, though I'm not going to lie to you and say that the misdirect of having everything that happened with the reactor opening the gate happened without speech, and then they start speaking Russian, I'm
1: not going to lie and say that didn't surprise me, and I thought it was kind of cool. I th- I had certain thoughts about that scene, because I know the literal Terminator is a big man. But I didn't think it was within the realms of physical strength for a big man to lift another full size adult male by the neck and kill him. So my immediate thought was oh, he's possessed by the mind flare. They're all possessed by the mind flare. Somehow it leaked into Russia, and that's why they're trying to open the portal. Eight episodes later, I learned that's not the case. And I still don't understand why the Russians are trying to get into the upside down. Yeah. I
0: I feel like because we we don't even truly understand the the rationale behind the Hawkins Laboratory thing. Like we, we don't understand the um the the genesis of that entire effort. But one thing that I, I struggle with is I very much I'll level with you, Henry. I think the Terminator, not Terminator Two. I think the Terminator is one of the best horror movies ever made. Oh yeah, just the Terminator is impeccable, and Terminator Two is just one is one of the best action movies ever made, if not the best. They're both incredible films, and you can't go wrong. But the fact that they managed to find someone who, from certain angles, looks exactly like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and from certain angles, looks exactly like the guy who played the T one thousand. Yeah, it just looks like they bred those two people, and I I adore that character. I adore that they went whole hog on a Terminator homage. Uh, I don't even know if it's homage at this point. They basically just put those characters into the show, uh, but I'm I find it a little tough to totally buy it because they did imbue him with a certain amount of like ridiculous strength and ability. And like cognition uh, and just overall competence that I found hard to believe. I'm like, yes, I understand what you're doing, uh, but also you're pretty effectively taking me out of this thing by making this guy like superhumanly strong.
1: Yeah, that the Russians. Because
0: that's one thing Stranger Things hasn't had. Like, preternaturally physically gifted people is not something that it has
1: had. These are schmucks from Indiana, you know? They're all, like, normal bodies, as we call them. And picking people up and strangling them, or
0: picking people up and, like, showing that their feet are dangling off their... That's a classic 80s movie move, and I can't blame them for doing it. But it just didn't totally feel like it belonged.
1: Here, another lingering thought about the Russians... This is like the height of the Cold War, is it not?
0: Uh, Wall came down, 89, yeah, I'd say so. Is this before or after Perestroika? It's after Perestroika, right?
1: I mean, so like... No, it can't be after... Anyway. The Russians are unspoken enemy. How in the world would an entire platoon, an entire military unit, be able to construct all that they constructed... How would they even get into the country in
0: with guns? In this criticism, you have discovered my single greatest complaint about this season, which is how the fuck. Yeah, how? I think that the how? St- I think that the the Starcourt Mall is a very cool idea because they it allows for so many great moments. I think the existence of that mall transports it to a place in like 80s pastiche. Yeah. That is so perfect because it's mall culture. Mm-hmm. And then they bring everything back from 80s mall culture. And then they have like Material Girl while Eleven and Max are shopping. And they show like a Jamba Juice. Just and,
1: a, and a Taco Bell coming soon sign, Which is like, well, sorry, Taco <laughs> Bell. But we are not coming but like we have to understand that like malls
0: now are a thing of the past oh yeah they're... so mo- I, and I lived in an age where malls were huge yeah and I've been to many malls and I hung out in many malls we but all have the the fact that like these are now
1: they're fossils yeah they're They're
0: relics they're they're relics of the past seeing that i was like yes this is something that speaks to me and i know doesn't truly exist anymore and it's like this crazy 80s throwback i thought starcourt was an amazing decision intertwining (laughs) the 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 imagery of starcourt with the existence of this like russian russian sect yeah this russian extra-dimensional like hyper-well-funded research initiative that is miles below Starcourt, but somehow projects a signal that you can hear the little horse thing through somehow. Uh, It stretched my disbeliefs to the breaking point. Like, I could not get into that. It seemed very formulaic, and everything surrounding it was amazing. The Die Hard references... um, Steve and, is her name Robin? Her name is Robin. Steve and Robin, like, infiltrating, getting, like, shot up with Goofy Juice, going to a movie, going to Back to the Future. (laughs) I loved everything that happened in Starcourt, but the idea of the Russians and Starcourt being one in the same was ridiculous. Also... The way that they got into this country was they bought up a bunch of land contracts to build the mall, and they talked about giving them visas and stuff.
1: Well, I, I, yes, all of that, sure. You still can't bring guns into the country. You There's still...
0: plenty of guns in America already, though they, they did, did have AK-47s. The... Or they get the radioactive goop. What is I the no, goop? No idea what the goop okay. is. You load it into, <laughs> into the portal gun, yeah. but also you don't drink
1: it, and it works like alien blood. Or just acid, but uh, here's what I have to say about the mall. So season one of Stranger Things was about the 80s home. Mm-hmm. A lot of the action takes place in the basement of Mike Wheeler's house. We see D and D. There's just that's kind of like the the theme of that season. Season two introduced the arcade. That's where the the kind of the season starts, and we go there a few more times before we meet Mad Max. The arcade is a big 80s thing, mm-hmm. and we, we, we kind of pay attention to it, and then, of course, the rest of the show takes over. Season three is the mall season, and more, I think, better, more better, they handle it better in that the mall becomes kind of like a set piece for the entire season. It's woven into the Russian plot. It's where the monster gets drawn to. There's The last episode of the season is literally called The Battle of Starcourt. Yes. So I think of all of the themes that we've seen in these seasons so far of 80s things, season three has treated the theme of mall the best. But to do so, we have to swallow the Russian pill. You yeah. know, you, you can't separate mall from Russians.
0: It, it's, a, it's a tough bargain because, to be perfectly honest with you, the, the setting of Starcourt is the strongest setting that has been in this entire show. It's Perfect. Starcourt is an, um, I will go out on a limb here and say that works of fiction that take place almost entirely in, if not entirely, in a shopping mall, typically speaking, are incredible. Dawn of the Dead, one of the best horror movies ever made. Dead Rising, one of the best video games ever made. Mallrats. Mallrats, one of the best movies ever made. That's it. So think about it. (laughs) I think that... The Terminal... Wait. Oh, dude. Starcourt is just such a great place to set things. It's just the fact that to, to make it so the characters could reunite at Starcourt to create that, like... To create the cage where the final showdown takes place, you have to understand that somehow the Russians built
1: Starcourt and also all this other improbable shit. I really like Starcourt. I loved the set dressing. I loved the set design. All of it. It made me ask out loud, why did they get rid of the neon? Why did malls get rid of the neon? If neon was there, why did they rip it out of the walls and make it look boring? If malls had neon in them today, to, to this day... I feel like more people would go to malls. I feel like, uh,
0: much like New Coke is making a comeback post Stranger Things 3, you and I should buy up some Russian land contracts and <laughs>
1: build a mall. Yeah, the Russian thing was weird. I, as much as I like Kerry Elwes, his mayor character was interesting. Oh shit, that was Kerry Elwes. He lost weight for this That's role. That's insane! That's crazy! My wife spotted it right away, and I turned to her and I said out loud, Carrie Elwes has never lost weight for a role. Took my phone out, full of confidence, typed in Stranger Things Mayor. All of these articles about Carrie Elwes pop up. His, his face pops up, his name pops up. I put my phone back, resumed the episode, and stay under my breath. I, well, now I've seen Kerry Elwes <laughs> lose weight for a role. Uh, that's incredible. I had no idea that was Kerry Elwes. He did a great job. He's a scumbag, shady mayor, but what the... Like, they lamp... He is the lampshade for the Russians in, in a in a, a, a 80s Miami Vice themed nutshell. I, I also felt like, and this is something that... Uh, I, I almost feel like I've
0: seen articles that say the opposite, and I don't know how you'd feel about this, but I feel like having a like, corrupt white male politician, I feel like a very easy choice would have been to like Draw a lot of, like, Donald Trump parallels, which, to be clear, I hate Donald Trump with every fiber of my being. Yeah. Uh, But I also feel like a a number of, like, fairly lazy choices could have been made for that character. And they typically defied those and made him just a kind of a shitty,
1: typical white dude in power, but in more of a typical mold. Uh, He's the sleazy 80s, like, businessman as a mayor. that's all it is. It's it's the owner of the mountain in the in the ski movie yeah. or, or like the rich dad who's going to buy the mountain. He, he's that character instead of being like a politician. He's the guy who's going to tear down the community center. He's the exactly. That's who he is. And he, he is the 80s arch villain. Like yeah. I I he didn't he didn't get killed. He's, he got in trouble. He got kicked in the balls. Yeah, by Joyce. By Joyce. but he Which did is an offer. honor. We, we, this, this. <laughs> there's so much to
0: talk about in this season that is... My point is, I think he's coming back. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to talk about in this season that's almost impossible to touch on all of it. Uh, Stark, I, and we're talking broad strokes for the most part. Uh, but one thing that I would like to talk about, and maybe this will come back near the end of the
1: episode... Or we'll just talk about it all now. Let's talk about some Jim Hopper. Jim Hopper. Jim Bean Hopper. Jim O O'Bimbelo Hopper. Jim O O'Bimbelo Hopper. Hopper is... He As, was...
0: At this point, I'm pretty sure, without a doubt, probably the
1: protagonist of Stranger Things. He was the best thing about Season 2. Art, he was the best thing about Season 1. And... He fell a little bit, for me, in season three, but he's still strong. He's still there. He's still, I think you are correct, the driving force, the protagonist of the show. I I do think that the protagonist of the show is Eleven and Hopper, essentially. Because
0: their story, and maybe we'll talk about a little bit of that, is kind of the most fleshed out relationship and story in the entire show. But the thing that I thought, and, and you pretty much made my point for me, the interesting thing about Hopper in this season is that he's actually operating from a place of being incorrect and and pretty much incorrect morally and I think what they do because essentially what they're doing At the end of season two, Hopper had essentially gotten what he wanted, I guess, or gotten what the audience wanted for him, which is he has essentially a surrogate daughter, and he's repaired his relationship with Joyce. And he's like on the mend as far as his career and his personal life, and everything kind of seems okay. Mm -hmm. And then as Eleven ages, you get to see him kind of sink into not mediocrity but sink into jealousy and envy and insecurity in a way that you haven't seen him do in a way that was real before uh, which is of course setting him up for redemption which happens at the end of the season uh because you want to see a character go low before they can go high yeah because if he had started from a place of like moral authority and kind of machismo and then everything had happened like it happened then it wouldn't have had as much impact then. You got to see this man be weak. You get to see the totality of his personality. And then... And then...
1: Well, you also have to see him yell at a Russian man for a little too long. Yes. little Alexei didn't deserve all that yelling. I
0: found the Alexei stuff to be some of the most challenging because I think that the actor who played Alexei was phenomenal. The internet loves him. He was... The internet is in love of Alexi. He was very, very good. And I I find the kind of conspiracy theorist ex-reporter guy to be kind of annoying. Oh, Murray. Yeah, I find Murray tough to deal with for long periods of time. I feel like his, uh, and we haven't seen him a lot, but I feel like he was perfectly fine. I loved him
1: and Alexi at the fair. That was amazing. I really liked that, which is sad because that's where Alexei it eats it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I I like that Paul Giamatti type a lot. Yeah. Um, I like all of the interaction between him and Dustin on the walkie-talkie. Like, for a character that is right so many times, he does eat a lot of shit from a lot of people. Yeah. Which I think is a good balancing act. I don't think he'll be coming back. He, he seems... There's, like, there's no way. It, it's possible. I don't
0: know. Uh, the only thing that I like... And I feel like maybe I consider him to be cloying because in season two, I didn't really like a single thing that he did. However, he did have the single best line of season two, which was, How was the pullout? Uh, which was incredible. However, in season three, he was much better. Uh, but I do feel like the Alexi, Murray, Joyce, Hopper dynamic did stretch on a little bit too long, and I kind of lost the thread for what was really going on there. It's because,
1: kind of like, so. This is this is a writing thing. The characters of Joyce and Hopper think they're they're learning thing things. Mm-hmm. The audience, however, because of Scoop Troop, which is the best name for, yes. for Dustin, uh Steve, Robin, and Erica. We know what the Russians are up to because of them. However, Joyce and Hopper don't know this, so they think they're learning it from Alexi. Alexi, Mm -hmm. But the audience already kind of knows. Yeah. So those scenes feel a little more tedious or drawn out because it's like they just need to talk to Scoop Troop. Mm -hmm. Scoop Troop, however, is miles underground, and they need to get back up. So that's where sort of the stretches for for the writers. It's like, well, we have to. We wrote ourselves in a corner here to try to get them back up. So. Meanwhile, another force, another driving force in the story needs to learn some Russian stuff. So, we got Alexi, we got Joyce, we got Hopper. Yeah. And then we're going to we're going to run with that literally until the mall, like <coughs> and then they all get back up together. Like it, it's 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 kind of like each season of Stranger Things is a is an open world game where your choices matter and one player can go down three different choices. But Stranger Things shows you each of those routes with different characters. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's a that's a pretty good way of putting it. I, I just felt like it kind of stretched on too long, but for the reasons you said. Uh, Hopper, Hopper's in rare form in this season, because the thing that you want Hopper to do... Is die. There's two things I mean, you want Hopper to do. You let's want, just
1: rip that band-aid off.
0: Yes. He dies. Hopper appears to die. Uh... <laughs> He absolutely does appear to
1: die. That is such an (laughs) in-denial way of putting it. Alright, so there's two things you want Hopper to do in this season.
0: The two things you want Hopper to do in any season is, number one, uh, be your emotional support animal. uh, Because you want Hopper to be the somewhat uh, kind of unreasonable emotional cipher for you. Because you're like, yeah, Hyper, Hyper, yeah, Hopper, feel the things, do the things. Uh, you also want him to do some buck wild shit at least once. Season one, it's punch out that guard, yeah. Because you're like, oh shit, Hopper. Season two, I forget what he did. A the, lot of shit. He he did a lot, but in season three, he becomes Magnum PI. <laughs> in season three, far and away the most buckwild shit that Hopper does is he beats the shit out of the mayor. Yeah. With Joyce's help, the the line when Joyce rips the telephone out of her hands and says, "Who are you going to call? call? The, the police? police?" Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And so, also his shirt is amazing.
1: Well, yeah, he's, he's Magnum yeah. B.I. He's even got the silver pants. He's Tom Selleck. Um, yeah. I agree with what you say, but I would amend it. Like, I would combine the two. H- Hopper is my emotional fist actually that is true what <laughs> he, you want, i he he, he feels th- like he feels things but also he throws a punch when no one else will it it's
0: interesting because in a lot of scenes in any tv show and in stranger things it's no exception you go i wish that person would get fucking punched or shot yeah hopper is there to be like all of that emotion that you're putting into the screen to watch someone be shot or punched he'll do it yeah don't Don't mess with him. When he's holding up the Terminator guy and he says, on three I'll shoot you, Mm -hmm. and he counts to three, and on three he perfectly dodges...
1: But he still he's shoots. He shot. You're like, oh, Hopper is not fucking yeah. around. And he was like, you're a cop. You wouldn't shoot. It's like, you, you, you don't. This is Hopper. Yeah. Uh, he's punched people out. He's done a whole mess of shit. Hopper's got a bunch of shit going on. Yeah. You, you do he's not still, even realize he's still shot. I, I was proud of him for shooting. No, it, it was so <laughs> many times like the hero bluffs, and then the hero's like, uh, I just can't do but, it. But the, Hopper's just like, <laughs> they did a great job of pretty intelligently. Getting what
0: they, the writers, wanted to happen in the scene, which is the dude gets away. Uh, but they also managed to do the dude gets away and Hopper in no way compromised on his stance because Hopper makes good on what he says he's gonna do. Yeah. Uh, also, I brought this up to you in text message. Uh, Hopper is Hopper. Hopper is the emotional core of the show. Yeah. You know Hopper's daughter, Sarah. The internet has been talking about this whole bracelet thing. I made you aware of it. Mm -hmm. But just in case our fans who are listening are not aware, Hopper's daughter Sarah has a blue hairband in one of the last scenes that you see her and in the hospital, and then you see that Hopper is wearing it on his right hand for the entirety of season one, and I believe season two. Uh, and in Season 3, Eleven is wearing it, because at some point between Season 2 and Season 3, Hopper started c- to consider Eleven to be his daughter. And then, at the very end, when they meet up at Starcourt, when Hopper goes to hold hands with Eleven, he places his hand through the bracelet to hold hands with her. So they're both wearing the bracelet at the same time. So good. Wow never brought up that is something that if I was a writer I would like call attention to I'd like put arrows on the screen and be like look at this storytelling but it's something that until it was brought to my attention I had no idea
1: yeah I, I mean television writing you, you get to do a lot of cool things in movie writing you get to put in a lot of cool details and then only later when it's like your reddit AMA Someone asked the question, like, did you intend for this? It's like, yeah, you know, exactly. You, yeah. Yeah, I intended. I wrote it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you spent eight hours watching the show.
1: I spent hundreds of hours working on it. Yeah. We thought of a lot of stuff. Well, we thought of some things, and we thought we'd put them on camera. Yeah. That's television writing. <laughs> you see some of them. You don't see others. Now, I mentioned this in a text message to you, but uh and I, I forgot to call him this the entire the entire episode but my personal name for hopper of course is hop daddy hop daddy <laughs> hop daddy yes uh which is of course
0: a reference to hop daddy famed austin burger joint i don't care his his name is hopper and he's a dad he's hop daddy hop daddy is not a bad name uh but
1: uh, can we talk about kevin we need to we talk we need to about talk about, about kevin, kevin. <laughs> Um, okay. Robin! Robin. The new character for the season. Every season, there's a new character. Last season, it was Bob and Billy. They're both dead. Yep. This season, it was Robin. May she rest in peace. (laughs) May she rest in peace. Um, I don't, look, I liked Robin. I liked her character. I liked the way her character developed. Because the writers introduced one little thing to bait the hook. Like, I was obsessed with you. And then later they reveal they twisted a little bit. I was obsessed with you because I hated you because you had the attention of the girl I wanted yeah, the attention of. That was very good. That's really well done. And, and th- th- there's people who are like, oh, Steve was in love with her. It's like, I don't think he was. No. I think he liked her and wanted to be close to her and was on drugs and wasn't thinking straight, like mm-hmm. she said. And I think them becoming friends is probably the ultimate good move for the future of the show. What I don't want to happen is that Steve goes, Robin, you're kind of like my bro. I'm going to call you Brobin because it oh. starts with a B no. and then she would
0: die. She will die. Uh, you called it right here. I uh, Now, you already played your hand, which is uh, a shame. Because I earlier laid down a trap card. Oh, shit. And I reveal it now. And the trap card is... Dimension the dice. Uh, the internet loves Alexi. Part of the internet, or at least, despises Robin. Oh! There is a... I'm not gonna say healthy, but there is a sizable portion of people who watch this show that really despise her character. Consider her to be kind of manic pixie dream girl-ish think that she's like a convenient solution to problems, and also think that her coming out as, uh, at the very least, like interested in girls at the end of the season is kind of a cop-out. Uh, I also think those same people are like meaningless troglodytes with bad opinions. Uh, but a lot of people truly did
1: not like the character of Robin to a degree that I was amazed to learn. I do think the one thing I will say about anyone knowing Russian and America in the 1980s... Highly suspect. She didn't know Russian. She knew a little bit. You're right. She 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 actually didn't know Russian. She knew a lot of other languages,
0: so it's relatively easy for her to pick up languages. It was a displayed skill, but she did not know Russian.
1: You are absolutely correct. And I think that's the way you... If she... I think a manic pixie dream girl is like someone who is quirky, who just kind of... the, The protagonist thinks... Is the, the solution to all of his problems? Mm-hmm. And Robin does not display that. Steve even, like, denies liking her. It's only under the influence of that truth telling drug that he, he thinks he likes her, but he denies to Dustin that's like, no, w- no, what are you saying? Yeah. And they are better suited as friends, and that is what happens. Like, and I almost feel like the, the, the thing is like
0: Steve is not in love with Robin. No. Steve has feelings for Robin, but you can have feelings for someone who's not interested in you and you can be friends with them. Like they're, they're going through a very, trying ordeal together and it's tough not to develop some kind of feelings for people and And he was like playing with an idea yeah and he assumed that she liked
1: him based on what they were talking about and based on what he is used to he's used to girls liking him because in high school he was of course steve harrington yeah but now he's not he's out of high school mr scoops ahoy mr scoops ahoy and now mr video rental man which is really great because video rentals. Ooh, that takes yeah. me back. But uh, <laughs> but um, what I will say is completely left my mind. Oh, one thing that I will say is
0: uh, we we th- we bandy around this term "manic pixie dream girl," and I feel like it's something that is really. Like a lot of things in society, it used to mean one specific thing, then it's meaning kind of changed, and now it's just used as a term to denigrate
1: women and female characters. Kind of like... The, the the term, like, Mary Sue or Gary yeah. Stew,
0: So I feel like a Manic Pixie Dream Girl, uh, to begin with, was your definition, which is a character that a character will see all of their problems being solved through, but they exist as kind of like a rogue element, like in a Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind
1: kind of way. Yeah, Clementine.
0: And then eventually the Manic Pixie Dream Girl archetype transitioned to these are like the kind of uh, short haired ephemeral women that men will write uh who are just like repositories for like a lot of male frustrations and feelings like they're people who will solve all of a man's problems it's typically a a pretty lazy kind of character to write if you're a man who's writing a female character it's like a classic joss whedon move uh i will i'll give like that character the least uh, merit, And the last one, which is what I think Manic Pixie Dream Girl has evolved into now, is uh, just any kind of uh, girl with shortish hair who doesn't wear a lot of makeup that men decide they want to hate.
1: It's this weird thing where it's like, we got a checklist of all of, be on the lookout for this person. We got a checklist. They they have a mustache. They have eyes. And they, they say the word f- fermented mm-hmm. and it's like that is the person we're looking for and so it's like oh that person has a mustache and eyes that must be the person yeah it's like when you when you boil down a trope the traits and another character just so happens to have some of those traits like short hair i guess you could say quirkiness mm-hmm. but that is a very subjective definition
0: yeah quirkiness implies that there's any set of like there's any sort of social mores that are considered normal, which yeah. is a slippery slope. I mean, she didn't have dyed hair. She did not have dyed hair. She
1: didn't ride a scooter. She didn't ride a scooter. She was somewhat sporty. Sporty? What's that? What does the word sporty mean? She had like Only in socks. The, not in the context of like spice. Not in the context of spice? Then I have no idea. Yeah, sporty spice. Uh,
0: no, I, I feel like the people who hate Robin are wrong.
1: I feel like Steve needed somebody who wasn't in the thirteen-year-old range, how many? Wait, how many children are you friends with? <laughs> that, <laughs> which is a really good question, but it's like Steve didn't have anybody because we, the only people his age we know are Nancy and Jonathan, who only interact with each other. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's it's interesting because Steve uh, Steve
1: was a uh, a ship adrift. He was a USS Butterscotch adrift. He was the captain of the USS Butterscotch. Yes. Or at least
0: a a mate. He was a a mate of the USS Butterscotch. I feel like uh, Steve really found himself, and I really like the kind of uh, coterie of
1: characters he found himself with in Starport. I want to say, it has been a long time since my... So you can put a character in tension. Or, like, in a suspenseful situation. Put a protagonist in suspense. But, like, we all kind of know, they're gonna get out of this. The group that took the elevator down to the Russian, like, base. The Scoop Troop. Yeah. I feared for all of their <laughs> lives. a 100% of the time they were on screen. To the point where, like, anytime Erica spoke, I was like, shut the fuck up, you're about to die. Like, yeah. I-, I was so worried <laughs> for them... A hundred percent of the time, because it's like, yeah, the kids have been in in scrapes before, but never have they been surrounded by people who don't speak the same language with guns. Yeah, when the elevator
0: thing happened, and this is something that I don't think that I've ever felt watching Stranger Things. I was like, they're not prepared for this. Yeah. Like, the, the stakes were so high for those characters, and then everything that they did after that was just perfect uh everything the scoop troop did in that stupid russian base was so perfect and so much fun even and i feel like these scenes can get kind of belabored the kind of torture via fist which that's not really a method of torture that anyone uses it's something that pretty much exclusively exists in action movies not the torture works anyway uh but it even when even when Steve was being beaten up and, like, killed, and he was consistently telling the truth.
1: <laughs> Scoop's away. <laughs> We're the Scoop Troop.
0: It's so funny that you can have a scene where a character is being tortured and they're literally just telling the truth yeah. over and over again.
1: <laughs> but we found it all by accident. <laughs> Honest. Look, I, I wanted him to be like, we've been through this shit before two years in a row. Like... <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah, yeah we're fame the weird thing another thing i want to talk about we've got a little bit of time we've got time i thought for sure it's like there's no way you can keep the wraps on this this time like all of the scenes setting up this fun fair that, that the mayor throws on to get his re-election or whatever the fuck the the whole subtext there was yeah and then the trees start moving i was like holy fuck this is going to happen like the upside down is going to be exposed to the world. There's no hiding this. Mm-hmm. Finally, like, because in no other way can Hopper kind of answer for the shit he's done. Unless the band-aid gets ripped off and the, and the supernatural is revealed to be true. Yeah. Like, the stakes are so high that the only thing that can happen is the worst case scenario. hmm But they subverted all of my expectations and handled it. In a very believable way that I have to applaud. Hopper dies, or so appears to, and all of the action is contained in the mall, which catches on fire due to the fireworks, and so it burns up. So that all of the missing people that we see get jellified into the meat flare Mm -hmm. get attributed to dying in that fire along with Hopper. It's so tightly constructed that the only possible outcome for an outsider, outsider looking into this newspaper article, their only recourse is to believe it.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's it's perfectly tied up because everything took place in that one place. It it was the it was
1: the one option, and of course, you know, they place that call to whatever government agency that swoops in. With that doctor, whose names I will never remember, mm-hmm. looking at the crack like, oh, here we are again. Yeah. Uh, I wish I got here sooner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they swoop in and sweep all the Russian nonsense, so it, it's it's like, yeah. It was just a fire that broke out when the mall was closed. <laughs> so That killed 30 people. I've got two things to talk about in the
0: re- relatively limited amount of time we've got left. Yeah. Uh, the first one is I want to say... We can't take for granted how high the stakes were in season three compared to season one season two because I consistently throughout the entire season was under the impression that this that we were still watching like a PG thirteen event uh, and that characters who were flayed taken over by the mind flare that they would like regain consciousness and then become people again uh Nancy kills someone yeah. Uh, dozens of people just die. They turn to goop and die. Also, uh, shout out to Parasite
1: Eve. Clearly a huge inspiration for this. So remember a couple of podcast episodes back, I discussed I, I, like a metamorphosis within myself where I can't... I, I, I wrestle now with watching horrible things happen to fictional characters. Yeah. Watching these people liquefy and become literal weird flesh monsters, I was, like, a part of my soul was taken from me. Because it's yeah. like, even though they were misogynist and I hated them, and I, I did, I like, you kind of, I guess the writers are like, well, they'll, they'll be okay with watching them die. Mm-hmm. But, like, then Heather and her family, yeah. and, and then the only person it doesn't happen to is Billy, which, like, that part of my soul, I guess... Is preserved, but watching each of these people liquefy is like, oh fuck, oh, f-. that yeah. fed into like, they're gonna get found out. There's no way you hide this many people dying. Yeah. Because they're dead. They're not coming back. The, the thing that
0: got me is like when you see, when you start seeing people liquefy, because when she kills the misogynist in the, where was that? Hospital. In the hospital, you're like, oh, he liquefied, but maybe that was just like a like a doppelganger or something. But when those people actually liquefy, my bro went, No! This many people can't die in Hawkins. Yeah. Like Stranger Things can't have death at this scale. And it, it made me scared for future seasons because they've removed the death
1: bandage. Yeah. Like the gore bandage is off if you're going to escalate from here next season i I don't care who you are like they ha I will say this I'll phrase it like this they're going to have to pull off a lot of writers' finesse and gymnastics to come up with a scenario in which the nation does not find out i i Cause, cause even the news segment at the end. Like, the national news has already kind of got their eye on Hawkins. Yes. Further events will only draw more attention. Next season, I, I, will, I will be very surprised if it doesn't end with the entire world finding out about supernatural occurrences. I mean, I've heard from various sources that Stranger Things
0: is either going to be four seasons long or six seasons long. I think the narrative that people are saying right now is six. I have read a lot of four or five. Stuff. Four or five. Uh, So my assumption is by the end of Stranger Things as a work, it has to be at least national, right? Because I I feel like with stakes increasing this much and the scope of devastation increasing this this much every season, we have to end on a season that's like Red Dawn, but with mind flayers. Just like an occupation of the United States by these things. And it's, it's, I'm excited for that. Uh, I don't know, it's it's impossible to speculate. And speaking of speculation, there's one more thing that I'd like to talk about that's on my agenda, and that is, what of hopper?
1: Okay, you saw, of course you saw the end credits scene. Yes, where but they say, not the American. Not the American. My thinking, the way that it was filmed, the way that it, I guess, was written and filmed, Hopper, before looking at Joyce at the very end, looks at the rift. Yeah. And then looks back and nods. You know, the slow nod, like the, what we can interpret as like the, I'm okay with what you have to do, even though it's going to result in my death nod. But I don't think Hopper is one to sacrifice himself. I don't think he he plays that heroic trope. Mm -hmm. I think absolutely he hopped into the upside down. So you and I are on a pretty similar page.
0: If I were to imagine, this is what I think is going to happen. I think that... And everyone says the same thing. The post-credits or mid-credits scene, the only one that there is, there's not like a post-post-credits. But the mid-credits scene where they say, no, not the American, and then someone is fed to this, like, white Demogorgon, right? That can stand up. That can stand up. Uh... That, I feel like there's not a lot of point to that. Because we know Demogorgons exist. Obviously, that was in there because the big one was not the American. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I feel like that's going to be a misdirect, and I feel like that's going to be a different American person. You think it's going to be the doctor? I think it's going to be the doctor. I I think it's going to be the doctor locked up in this Russian prison. Okay. What I think is going to happen, and this is big wish... I think a rift is fully going to open and Hopper is going to come out of it and he's going to have like a sword or something or he's going to have like an eye patch. He will have seen some shit and lived in the Upside Down for a not insignificant period of time. That is a very
1: sort of time-honored trope. The portal opening, someone stepping through looking more badass than they did. I really think it's going to happen. And going like... Finally, I'm back. <laughs> Hurry, in, you know. My, my prediction, if we're doing prediction, is that he hopped through the rift, ended up in Russia, and we're going to get an entire episode dedicated to his time and transit.
0: Okay. And like his time in the Upside Down? Like his
1: time in the Upside Down, and also his time... Or, like, the Russians successfully opening a rift and dragging him out. So, the, uh... And I want to explain sort of a little bit quickly my reasoning. There's no way they could transport a gorgon from Hawkins to Russia. So they found a way to open up another rift. Yes. Now, the,
0: the theory that's going around, and I think this is a fairly easy one to uh, to kind of grab onto, is that the reason why these things are being, like, researched is for, like... In, like teleportation basically it's for
1: travel yes
0: and they think that they're opening like because if they open these portals in two locations they
1: can travel between them and sneak an entire russian like force into american soil i've read similar headlines about that so it's also possible that hopper got killed but he also went through the
0: rift and ended up in russia because they were opening them up at the same time yeah to like because why else would you open a portal to a thing that you know has demons in it if not to transport people? Exactly. Uh, so if if the not the American thing is not a misdirect,
1: that's probably what it is. Now they have subverted our expectations before and Dr. Brenner kind of disappeared on us. So maybe it is Dr. Brenner and maybe that's the key to getting L's powers back, which is another move I have to applaud. Because if you're, you're going to raise the stakes, you can't have... A, have the, uh, the the literal Deus Ex Machina walking around of your party?
0: Yeah, the the fact that they took her powers was a great choice. Can you believe that we got to the end of this episode without being able to discuss really in depth, like the relationship between these, like the the core four characters and L plus Max? We got all this way, and we didn't even talk about the gut punch finale when Eleven reads the letter from Hopper, where he improv. Oh, this season
1: ended <laughs> just so well-written. Well, I feel like our attention is better placed on things we had problems with. Like, yeah. And, and w- our audience has watched it. And so they know how good that is because it speaks for itself. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to draw attention to it. But since you have, the letter that Hopper writes, the the addendum to that speech he was memorizing from Joyce, that moment was so powerful... And so good, I wished we had seen him sit down to begin to write it earlier in the season. Yeah, I wish we got that clip of him writing, and then like, you know, it's it's a move where you see him like, oh, and like start writing. You're like, oh, he's changing it to fit his persona, Mm -hmm. and then later we find out the real thing. Like, I kind of wish we had that setup, but as it stands, the gut punch that it is is so good that I don't even care. The The entirety of the end of that season
0: where they're... Because we haven't had an opportunity to see, to see these characters say goodbye ever. And seeing that happen, just perfect emotional manipulation.
1: What, well done. What, no, it's, it's also really good because a huge trope of childhood stories is the move. Yeah. Moving to a new place, moving from a place that you love, losing your friends to a move and the promises of like, Oh yeah, you're gonna visit. We'll we'll use your monster manuals when you visit, mm-hmm. and then kind of coming to the slow realization that as adults we realize the visits don't happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They don't just happen. Yeah, like I, you know, we moved from a city. You've gone back. I haven't really gone back. Yeah, I've gone back twice. Uh, but still, okay, like, you're a better person than I am. What, I, is this a contest? But it's. I don't know, but
0: it, it included in it is the passing of the torch. It's the giving the D and D books to Max. It's the, uh, the Erica. Erica. Oh shit! It is Erica because they discover she's a nerd, and also Max is not interested. Um, yeah, Max is more video games, yeah. not role playing. Erica is a nerd, but no, the the giving of the books to Erica is not. It it perfectly exemplifies the, the promise is not we will see each other again. The promise is. This will still exist. Yeah. Not between us, because that is over. But what we had, and the special
1: thing that existed, will live on through the people who are not us. Which is a shame, because they're in for a hell of a ride. I imagine they're playing first edition Dun- Dungeons & Dragons. Man, second edition, third edition, fourth edition, fifth they're missing out. and then like maybe they would be one of the groups that splinter into Pathfinder? Ooh. Aww. Instead they're kissing girls. And, and like they would be, I guess today, I don't know, in their sixties or seventies and be excited for the for the release of Pathfinder second edition, which is still it's coming out soon. I think yeah. twenty twenty is their projected date. Thanks, Paizo Entertainment Games. Paizo Games. I don't know. They make them. Interactive. Paizo Interactive. Sure. We are not that kind of podcast where we know what Paizo is. Uh, We unfortunately are not.
0: Uh, I feel like we've alluded to this enough, uh, mostly by me whinging that we've gotten to the end of the episode without discussing so much that I loved. But something that I do feel
1: is worth discussing is how do we feel about it? Oh, we haven't even... I feel like the okay. So listening to this, the, the first like five minutes of our our supplemental reading for season two of Sugar Things, we were really focused on whether it was good or bad. I never had that feeling watching this season. I I, I feel like a hundred percent. I was entertained. The writing was really good. I liked the pacing. I liked everything I saw. I had, I had questions. I had concerns like about the Russians, but. Never did I feel like what I was watching was a waste of time. I wholeheartedly agree. I know that around maybe the three
0: quarters mark of season two, I found myself pretty seriously doubting. And now I think maybe doubting uh, incorrectly, but I was doubting that what I was watching was actually good. Uh, but the only kind of conversation that I had with myself about Stranger Things 3 is, uh, is this the best season of this show or not? Because the only conversation I was having was, is this better than season one? And then I eventually realized that that does not matter. Rankings do not matter. That This is simply some of the most pitch-perfect television I've ever seen. And it is part of an overall work that I deeply, deeply adore. Even for their punk episodes. Uh, even for some relationships that I don't
1: love. It's still full of
0: things that I I greatly appreciate.
1: Stranger Things is being elevated to sort of like a cultural moment. Each time an episode, not an episode, each time a season comes out, the world, kind or the U.S. world kind of looks at it. I don't know how the rest of the world receives a show. I honestly don't know. But like, for American cultural zeitgeist, every time Stranger Things is mentioned, people kind of look at it, and that has a power around it. Mm-hmm. So even if it's bad, I think because of that command of people's attention, it's worth looking at. and in this case the 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 looking at turns out to be rewarding. The Duffer brothers are putting everything they have into this. They're not doing any other projects on the side like a lot of other writers or showrunners they 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 devote and a lot of the actors besides, like, Finn Wolfhart, aren't really appearing in many other things. Uh, I think uh, I saw today maybe uh, David Harbour is in another Netflix thing called, like, Frankenstein's Monster's Monster Frankenstein? Okay. (laughs) That sounds okay. I don't know. Uh, There's a lot of weird things going on with television right now so many of our pillars have been knocked down. Game of Thrones is done. What enters the void? My,
0: <laughs> the the point that I would like to make there is people have been talking for the last, like, two years about, like, once Game of Thrones is over, what'll be the new Game of Thrones? And uh, my supposition is that the new Game of Thrones is already three seasons deep, and it is Stranger Things. I feel like Stranger Things has the same level of cultural cachet, uh... Greater what are we, season three right now, of Stranger Things? Greater level of quality yeah. uh overall. And way less characters to juggle. Uh yes, way less characters, way better writing. I but I feel like it if we're talking about what replaces Game of Thrones, not in like quality or type of story, but what replaces it as the thing to watch, like the capital T thing, then it's Stranger Things. The yeah. capital T things.
1: I would agree with you. I, like i I don't think an another show will reach Game of Thrones level in quite some time, but like if there's a checklist of things you need to be watching, stranger things is definitely on it yeah, it's number one It's probably number one uh, the, the Netflix released some data recently and they they their most watched series is Orange is the new black and like so much so many wasted hours. Why are you watching that when you can be watching stranger things?
0: Why watch Orange is the New Black when you can have Hopper? When you can have Hopper? When you can have Joyce.
1: We can have Billy, well. I got really sad. Look, last moment heroics are really good, sure. But what's better than continuing on in the show? Like I don't know. He was a he was a a horrible person. But he was so fun to watch. No, Billy was so much fun to watch. I also feel like he kind of lived out
0: what that character could do. Really, once you give a character an opportunity to do some
1: Jack Torrance shining shit. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, once you give a character the ability to bang another character's mom, <laughs> yeah. you have to ride them out the show. Yeah, it's, That's television law. At that point, the characters become too powerful. <laughs>
0: They're too powerful. There's no way to bring them down to everyone else's level, so you have to kill them off.
1: I will say. For all of the horribleness of the Wheeler parents, they are bad parents, and maybe that was just norm for the time i don't I don't know Lucas's parents barely on the show, yeah, <laughs> but like the the small moment of redemption of Mrs. Wheeler backing out of going it's a very small moment, the tiniest of moments, maybe her only lines in the season, but like it kind of it kind of felt a little good to see like. Yeah, a mom is not just going to go sleep with a newly 18 year old super male or whatever the fuck you want to call him.
0: You could have made it a lot more gross, but also Mr. Wheeler's gross, so dump him, girl. Isn't he. Is he gross or is he just non existent? He's just tired. He's tired What
1: the fuck does he do?
0: Sleeps on a couch, is afraid of Ferris wheels.
1: I feel like... What kind of person is afraid of a Ferris wheel? I feel like his job is my job. He goes to work every day, works for a boss that doesn't actually say anything, doesn't ever really give you work, and you just slowly, over time, you just become a non-entity. Oh, no. I am Ted. Watch out for Billy's. (laughs) They are everywhere. There's Billy's... Literally. You live very close to a pool. Oh, no,
0: Billy's there. That's where they breed. Wait,
1: we don't have any lifeguards on duty. Oh, perfect. So
0: all those children will die. <laughs> you
1: need Billy's to save the children who die. <laughs> there is a hierarchy in society. Billy's save children. Yes. Moms of children sleep with no,
0: billies. It's very simple. Heads die in the wilderness. Billy's save children. Children kill monsters. Monsters kill billies. <laughs> it's rock, paper, scissors.
1: I feel bad for Maxine. Yeah. Because now she's stuck with two shitty parents with no bill. Billy was no saint. But at least Maxine had, like, a Billy against the parents. Yeah, at least Maxine sometimes. had, like, a Camaro
0: she could escape in.
1: What the fuck happens to the car? I guess it just stayed at that, like... What if the car becomes the van that hits Stephen King? <gasps> what if... What
0: if the car gets taken over by the Mind Flayer and it becomes Christine? Yeah. That'd be good.
1: Yeah, no, season... It see, wouldn't be good. Season four, they just show this the movie of Christine. That'd be Okay. Well, I think we are reaching what some might call the ticker tape of the finish line. It's not ticker tape, it's usually just tape. Yeah, well, it's not like packing
0: tape. No, what is it? It's like cloth? No, it rips real easy. It's like paper?
1: It's ticker tape. What do they make the crime scene tape out of? Because I see on shows all the time, people are like, "I, I need to go see it. You can't. I'm going in. Oh, how do they cut it? With their hands? Their hands. Oh. I don't know. Paper, paper mache. <laughs> paper papier mache. We are reaching the paper mache ticker tape parade of this. What's a ticker tape parade?
0: A ticker tape parade is like a parade down the street where like streamers and uh, ticker tape. Isn't ticker tape old timey? Like they used to get like... That's how they to like, get, read like the markets. Yeah. Used
1: to come out of a ticker. Because it... T- like that? Yeah, that's what it did. We are reaching the finish line of this 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 supplementary reading. Is that what you wanted to say?
0: Oh, no, that's what you wanted to say. It just took you 20 minutes to say it. Uh, we have now reached the end, I think... That's what I said. <laughs> we've now reached the uh, ticker tape finish line. I think that's probably... The best way to say it. And we have reached a verdict, which is Stranger Things 3 is good. It's good.
1: Stranger Things is good. And Stranger Things is good. Yes, as a whole. Yeah, as a, as a whole, it is good. Looking back on season two, I don't hate it as much. I Like, yeah, you can have a weak season if you followed up with a better season. I, th- I feel like that's warranted. You're allowed a weak showing if you've showed up with a better showing. And all I want is Extra-Dimensional Samurai Hopper. That would be cool. I don't think we're going to see it. But that's just my personal... I don't know. We'll see. That's my hot take. We'll see. It's committed to ticker tape. We're interested in your hot takes, however. If you want to send us your hot takes about Stranger Things Season 3, we would love it if you would contact us on twitter.com at zcpcwhj. And uh, Upside Down John, what does that stand for? Oh wait! You want Upside Down John to answer this? Yeah. Okay, let me go get him. I want bleach. I want to drink bleach. I want to drink bleach and fertilizer. Give me borax. Twenty mil team borax. I want to eat borax? All right. I want bleach. That's what that stands for. Hold on, let me go put Upside Down John away. And if you, I'm gonna talk while he walks back. If you want to send us a longer treatsy treatise about what your feelings and thoughts about Stranger Things Wait, were you talking about treatsies? Should I go get outside the shop <laughs> so we can have a treatsy? No, okay. Your treatise on if you have a longer manifesto about Stranger Things 3, all you got to do is send us an email at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Emails have no character limit. Send us an email. We're on Facebook. You can find us by searching Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. We also only speak English, so keep that in mind. Um, We are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, two services that do the same thing. But on Apple Podcasts, all you got to do, leave us a rating, leave us a review. But don't leave us in your rear view. We just want you, if you listen to the podcast, drop a review. Say, like, you listened to it. And if your last review was two years ago, drop a new one. Say you still listen to it. We just want our users, our listeners, our fans. We don't have users. (laughs) Our fans to engage with our reviews and our ratings on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Sometimes we stream on Twitch TV. I'm saying this apropos of us actually streaming because people might listen to this out of context if they just are interested in our feelings and thoughts on Stranger Things. So it's not connected to the realities of if we actually stream or not. But most importantly, John, I know, I know, I know. I know and you know and I know and you know and L knows and Mike knows and Hopper might know Word of the mouth is the only way we can survive in the Upside Down. So if you tell two people that we're in the Upside Down, they'll tell two people we're in the Upside Down, and maybe we get rescued by people in weird hazmat suits. We don't know. We got slugs in our mouths. We have slugs in our mouths indeed, Henry.
0: Now, uh, as typical with a a 0 credit supplemental reading. We don't typically end with our kind of boisterous, simultaneous bye. We usually just kind of give a pretty uh, austere send-off. But I've got some pretty big news that I want the listeners to be made aware of. And I know it's not a good time to bring it up on the podcast, but Henry, I think you and I will both admit that the only time that we speak to each other is when we are on mic. Uh, So I do have to bring it up during the podcast. I am sorry to do this to you, but Henry... I'm just gonna say it. I dump
1: your ass. Really? Right here in front of all these people? I'm, I have right, to say it. I have to. I'm, right at the entrance of the mall and in between where the mall walkway is and the buses. Look, Henry, don't make this any harder than last week. I dump your ass. I just. I, I have some thoughts and feelings to go through real quick. I, I'm kind of tearing up and I just. I just want you to hear my thought. Don't walk up. A- why are you walking away? I want bleach! do oh, want bleach! do bleach! Why are you bleach? No, John, cut come- don't drive off on that bus! Don't the bus is leaving and all I have here is upside down, John. <laughs> I'm gonna do a podcast. You wanna join me in a simultaneous vibe for I've got tears in my eyes. Yeah. Let's, join me let's do it. in a simultaneous vibe. I'm not gonna count. Just gotta do it. Just gotta feel it out, man. Just gotta feel it. Just gotta feel it out. I gotta clear out these tears. Why
0: are you crying on the podcast? <laughs>